All right. All right. Here we go. Here we go. I'm going to start for real. For real. In a second. Right it's going to go. And right. here we go. <laughs> Turn one, swamp, ritual, entomb, persist. We got a protein hulk on the board. I'm back, motherfuckers. Mock stars, Chris Ritter here with Jordan Garcia. Ayo! And Evan Kunai. What up? We got the boys back. It's, it's, we're popping off. It feels good. Check out our link tree, like, subscribe. I just heard that we have a new follower. We got a new subscriber on iTunes. Today? Today. Let's just go. now, we got a new subscriber on iTunes. It was me. I am Ooh. now listening to the podcast. I appreciate I, that support. I, I missed the podcast, and now I have content that is new to me to enjoy and listen to. How about everyone else get on there, like, subscribe, link tree? You know the whole deal. Let's just get past this and get right into it, right? Let's get into the freaking sauce. All right. So we got a couple topics to start, and then we got a main topic, mm. which is cubes. And there is spice all over these cubes. Yep, we've been these are spicy a cubes. cubes. A lot of cube on Arena. We're building cubes. Yeah. We got a lot to talk about. Yeah, we want to talk about a little bit of the history of cubes and then how it pertains to you as our viewers. Like, if you're not familiar with cubes, how do you get into cube? How do you cube? How do you cube? But before that, we got a few news topics. We're talking about the spiciest 30th anniversary proxy. That's what I'm calling it. Selling today mm-hmm. for a pretty official high proxy. Official proxy sold for quite a high ticket number. And we're also talking about Morrow's end of year recap. Uh, we're also going to be doing our top Dominaria remastered picks. What to get before you move on to New Phyrexia. And by New Phyrexia, I mean new New Phyrexia, not old new phyrexia i mean we have to get through one of the least exciting sets of all time yeah i mean nobody's talked about dominary remastered uh i mean it's all reprints right it's all reprints no it's all reprints okay then why but not saying why us talk about i'm saying like why why people be talking about it yeah Yeah. it's just like they're billing it slash not billing it as a doubles masters or double master light kind of kind of vibe it's, it's part of the content product release cycle exactly but there are some noteworthy tutors mm-hmm. nice fun things old cards that haven't been printed in a while mm-hmm. so worth discussing and uh see what happens when they come out see if the market drops a little bit i hope they sure. do but first starting off a freaking black lotus proxy is sold for seven thousand six hundred mother flipping dollars today i mean i said the real mfer already in this episode so thank you for cleaning it up <laughs> evan had to bleep me out once last episode already so i'm 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 trying to be a and good i'm boy. bleeping you out too. oh man i'm trying to be a good boy uh, uh what a fucking ridiculous number <laughs> back at it can't keep is, a good man down it is seven thousand six hundred dollars for a piece of cardboard that is not even a Legal. real piece of cardboard. What, what does the real deal go for, just for a price of comparison? That is a great question. The cheapest one, or not the cheapest one, but a decent rated one I could find was $42,000. Okay. And that is not even for the alpha original. That's like an unlimited, uh, definitely heavily played, probably Correct. creased. You're talking like, like 100 k Maybe somebody sharpied it and they erased the sharpie again. And, yeah, I would say yeah. This, the, your standard estimate is probably around 50 k Okay. Like for one of these. So, we're ta- so it has... You know, fifteen to twenty percent of the value of of a crappy yeah. real one. Yes, right. Yes, it does. Uh, which I think is greatly over exponentially overinflated because I can get uh, 
a non-tournament legal proxy Black Lotus Alpha, like that could pass for the real thing for about $5 US. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I can get one He's that's a, probably in the same condition as the $40,000 one oh, pristine. from FedEx. Pristine, <laughs> like, baby. Yep. You just get it printed off on some like tag board or something Price like that. Of a cup, You're chilling. Cup of just coffee. wanted to fact check myself. Yeah, exactly. 60K for Alpha. Okay. 60,000. It was actually a fucking great deal. Go get it. Yeah. Pick it up. It's one of those things where the 30th anniversary, this the whole thing was Botched, like a boondoggle. Was, <laughs> yes, <laughs> we all got hornswoggled by mm-hmm. it. And it's well just, played. I don't have a good one to follow. Jordan, that up. come on. <laughs> I don't have anything for that. <laughs> well, the deal is, is that when when these prices started dropping, like nobody knew what they were going to go for. There was uh like I saw a Wheel of Fortune for thirty five hundred dollars, and is it like these can come in foil, right? So was the Black Lotus that sold? Was it foil? Are they sure they come in foil? Yeah, I think they come in foil. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. No, I don't think they're foiling these. I, I think oh, it's okay. the uh, secret layer that had a chance to be randomly foiled. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I'm just. But I mean, wires crossed. Why are we putting these too ideas much product overloading your brain? Like they're going to do the 31st anniversary edition, and it's foil uh, proxies. Yeah. <laughs> you know? The whole thing it just <laughs> the 35 year high hell. I don't know. I'm just 7,600 bucks. Like, go out. I don't know who's collecting this. This is not a wanted collector's item because i mean there are collectors there are people that just collect sets and they're gonna look at this the same as everything else i mean that's kind of who the market was for yeah intentionally so i think it's i think it's very interesting that like you know they're only things are only worth what people are willing to pay for them true so we nobody knows really what these cards are going for or what they're worth right now it's kind of like those uh serialized cards that just came out of brothers war it's just there's so few of them the market hasn't really figured out what the hell to do with it and so you know somebody actually putting cold hard cash down on this is really a stepping stone and setting standard and what we're going to expect to see mm-hmm. these cards going for but again uh that is still like uh, the the virus is quarantined to collectors. I think still, yeah, at least like that's that's the one silver lining of this to me. Fair enough, you know? fair enough. Yeah, yeah. The only time it ever really lands in the hands of someone who's not a collector is just by happenstance with like opening a pack and just getting it by like with the serialized ones. Right. I, I mean, there's a high barrier to cross there. Do you think there's a random person who's not a collector that was paying $250 for a pack of randomized potential no. chaff? I, oh, I think 100%. Yeah, I think a ton of people were like, this is super exciting. I think I could go for $200. I couldn't but, go but for But people it. who weren't collectors. Who, well, like... Yeah. Yeah, so like if you went to Magic Thirty and you paid for like the pass okay. all weekend, they just threw in packs. They threw in packs of these. Okay, but free. also the barrier there is you're going to Magic Thirty. Yeah, you also yes, you it was also the VIP pack. Yeah, yeah so I'm gonna was, uh, lump them. Pack. I'm gonna lump them into the category of like sub whales or like dolphins yeah. or something, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> like you know they're Sea-lons. they're associated. They're yeah. the penumbra. You know. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, it, it was like there are definitely some people who aren't like wouldn't characterize or categorize themselves as collectors who ended up with some of this product like all i gotta say is we know that the the number 69 and number 420 of the serialized cards are going to be the most if you of course of course hit us up good on you hit us up we'll 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 pay whatever you want (laughs) uh well also something spicy happened this week maro released the end of year recap yeah he did a little q a uh, on his blogatog, uh, his Tumblr page, 
And there was a really particular question that that stood out that just kind of like stirred the community because it really tells you the state of the game at the moment. And I'm going to ask, I'm going to read the question. I'm going to read Marl's answer as well. Uh, Piccadilly Blue on Tumblr asks, Mark, I'm going to be real with you. Every time we tell you that we have concerns with the volume of the product being released, your response thus far has been, we hear you, but get used to it. I realize that you are contractually obligated to refrain from voicing any concerns you might have about the current release cycle, since that would hurt sales. But it comes off as aloof and glib. Like, you don't have to care what we think because you'll, you think we'll buy whatever you produce anyway. I'd honestly prefer if you didn't say anything about it at all. And then... Mark Rosewater responded by saying, Much of Magic's success over the years has come from us trying new things. Most of the time, those new things were initially met with a lot of concern. Change is fundamentally uh, scary. And the most notable thing from his answer, he said, The metrics of success we look at include play numbers, sales numbers, digital numbers, social media metrics, and market research. For the last three years, the metrics uh, have not just been good, but the best we've ever seen. This year, Magic made over $1 billion, which is a first. And that that is to end the quote. It just seems I, so tone deaf to what he the question's concern was. Which, well, yes. yes thank, we made a lot of money, yeah. so ultimately we're right. It's is fine. Very tone deaf. Absolutely. Did you hear how much money we made? Yeah. It's fine. He was like... Uh, so, Mark, I just want to bring it up. You've been pretty tone deaf with the community lately. Uh, what do you he's got like, to say about that? What are you talking about? He's holding <laughs> stacks of bills up against his ears. I, I mean, like, literally, the guy, no hate, no shade to the guy. Like, he's, I'm sure I know he cares not. and everything. Yeah. But it, it's literally his job to launder the reputation of this corporation to the community. That is his job. That is what Mark Rosewater is there to be. He's there to launder the reputation yes. of this corporation to the community. Yeah, currently the top comment on Reddit is when people fear that you're sacrificing the long-term health of the game in pursuit of short-term profit, pointing to large short-term profits will not reassure them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much exactly right. Yeah, it's uh it's it's a bit Yeah, I think Reddit hit it right on the nose. It's his job. You can't really hold him responsible for it cuz if he really voiced the vo- like the voice if he voiced the concern of the public he would no longer be in the position he's in. Also, in fairness, uh, fuck the magic community. Like, if they sense blood in the water, they would circle like sharks. Yes, they would. Like, he truly, Mark His Rosewater does We're a happen. bunch of fucking dirtbags. We really, I like, there are, you know, there's lots of good people in the magic community, but uh, there are so many elements of it that are just so toxic, especially the online community that uh, our boy here is responding to. Right. He has to literally give them nothing. He has to give them yep. an answer that they will accept while also giving them, giving them no room to attack him at all because they will, like you said, circle like sharks. It's pretty high stakes, high wire stuff when you yeah. think about it. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, it's, it's like being like the speaker for the president and just. Hey, yeah. he did this fucked up thing today. I'm sorry. Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. It sucks. Uh, he sucks, but that is his job, and that is the situation. Yeah. And no, no shade to him. Like he sucks, but he doesn't suck as a person. Yeah, I think you know? he's totally. like, he's honestly giving the proper trajectory of where this company is going. Like he just is stating flat out, like this is where we're headed. We're actually seeing more profits. And then yeah. there were some questions asked about like infinity, and people were like, well, what? Uh, what uh, like defines an unset and he's like well infinity was actually very successful but less like less successful than we thought it was going to be it's by a great margin the most successful unproduct they've ever sold yeah 
And so they're like, well, what metrics are you using? Well, he's he just flat out stating that the player base is so much larger than it used to be. And so, yeah, they, we sold a lot more Body product. Yeah. Higher, you can exactly. sell more crap to more bodies. It's yeah. <laughs> And again, that's their job. Yep. Yeah, you can talk about the purity of the game all you want, but that is what the situation is right now. What I find concerned is like they've just found this huge influx of new players, new customers, and it's just what and so all of a sudden their metrics aren't matching what their actual volume is. So it is just looking like they have amazing, amazing numbers, mm-hmm. which they do. Yeah, you but, can sell subprime mortgages or, you know, yeah, whatever the analogy is. But when they when, what happens when now they adjust their numbers because they know they have a much larger like player base? And like, what does that look like when now they have a higher threshold of what they're trying to hit based off of the same player base that might not be growing at the same rate? Well, it's funny. If you brought someone in to play Magic, like if you taught them how to play Magic today and then they got into it themselves and then they look at you and they go, so there's a lot of product coming out right now. Is this normal? And you look at them and you're like, Yes. Yep. Scare the shit out of them. Actually, that <laughs> right. makes an excellent transition to our next topic. We're going to just spend some money on this next product that we're talking about, regardless yeah. of all of our concerns that we all just voiced. <laughs> yes. So I like to play magic. I and guess we're magic. idiots. We are so also idiots. Congratulations, guys. Thank goodness I have a lot of these cards already. Otherwise, yeah. I would be dropping a ton of cash on them. Yeah, and, so and But how many of these cards that you already have will you be buying because of new art or foil treatment uh, or borderless treatment? have a second one. Or just you like the symbol in the corner. Yeah, so we are talking yeah. about the Dominary Remastered coming out in one and a half weeks. It it looks pretty promising. It's got a lot of cards that hasn't been printed for a long time. The thing about playing Commander is if you weren't around back in the day, like it's just going to be so insane for you to get these quote-unquote staples that make any deck work because they're all so stupid expensive. Like the mystical tutor, you know, worldly tutor, those have always been so high. Yeah, I mean the tutor, those that tutor cycle, um, vampiric except tutor, for obviously. vampiric tutor, hangs out around like twenty or thirty bucks, which isn't that cost prohibitive. But still, it's great to get have a reprint a and drive though. it down because you know what? If you play those colors, there's no reason not to play those tutors. And why put a twenty or thirty dollar barrier to entry, or with vampiric tutor, fifty dollar barrier to entry? onto just playing a good not even optimized version of the deck a good version a baseline good version of the deck yeah yep there's like a lot of these pre-order prices are gonna scare the crap out of you like if you go on it's not great now and you look at card kingdom or you look at tcg player for a lot of these pre-order prices you're not gonna want to pull the trigger it's don't buy actually yeah it's actually not a terrible pack price i think it's six dollars a pack just Mm -hmm. a little bit higher than your standard uh standard set so it's technically a premium release Mm -hmm. Definitely a set that you can feel good about gambling on by buying packs. Right. It's only... Gamble right. reprinted in this set, by the way. Yeah. Ooh, spicy. Yeah. Hey, way to shoehorn that in. Hey. It's uh, only draft boosters and collector's boosters. There are no set boosters this time around. Yeah, they're and doing those retro border foils in the collector boosters. Yep. And Very hot. Every like every rare and mythic has an alternate art borderless or a old border counterpart. Um uh, so, right now, it's looking like Enlightened Tutor is the most expensive. Really? What's that tutors. going for? Uh, there is a $40 pre-order price on Jeez, it. Jeez, yeah. Mm-hmm. Do not buy any of these right now. Let these come out. Nobody knows really how this... This market does not know how to anticipate this set. So let it come out. Let it flood the shelves. And then prices will drop. Because we're seeing reprints that are actually more expensive than cards that have already been on the market yeah unless the artworks are better than what they used to be in the like in the past like these new prints are going to be the cheapest versions yeah like of all the cards jordan and i were talking earlier about high tide where like i love 
you know, some of the older artworks on High Tide, but in terms of what the aesthetic of the game is right now, maybe this version is much better. Um, and, you know, I, I definitely play better when all the cards in my deck uh, seem right, the aesthetic or the vibe is correct. Right. And so, like, maybe this new, new print of High Tide is for you, and I could see that being a card that's going to be above the original printing's price. Yeah, I was actually concerned, like, to rewind a little bit with Brothers War, I was actually a little concerned with these commander decks being printed in all old border because they have notoriously goofed the old borders in foil for the last few years, ever since they started reprinting, like, in that style. And it was actually surprisingly fresh, like, to see some newer cards in an old border setting. So, like, I'm excited for this set in the way that they're going to take new artworks like The Force of Will with such a like a old school artwork a new old school artwork and put it into an old border and it's going to be probably the most sought after version yeah can't say enough the art department over at wizards is crushing it whatever qualms we have with the rest of the company mm-hmm. i yeah it is important to delineate the two you know they are owned by hasbro which they can't help anymore but even their sets are banging their sets are great like kamigawa was banging brothers war keeps getting better and better every time i play it honestly there are definitely some secret layers i wish they would push back to the artist and be like hey hey give it another shot yeah, like they, they it, like to push to the edge of weird sometimes yeah they're trying to like push out so much product that at times some of the artwork that does get approved like the allosaurus shepherd from double masters <laughs> chris pratt yeah the like the extended art that just anatomically wrong almost in every way for the dinosaurs it's just not a great not a great look just just push it back to the yards and say hey man i know that you might have put in like uh three or four hours of work on this but just give it another shot just just dismiss it (laughs) just two more hours and i think we'll get there (laughs) hey buddy sketch put another sketch down yeah one uh card that i'm really excited about dominary remastered to like bring bring to the forefront um we only saw one printing of elvish spirit guide for a long time and then we got that secret layer print and it felt like it was maybe a little bit more accessible but now you can find an elvish spirit guide from dominary remastered with a pretty great artwork that if it's an old border is going to look really great too uh for two dollars and fifty cents nice where previously it was $17 minimum just to get your hands on it. Yeah, I think I paid, uh, I don't know, 12 or 13 a year ago for a pr- pretty lightly played one. Yep, yeah. and before the uh, before the Secret Lair was announced, it was even more than that. They actually mm-hmm. dropped a little bit when they announced it. So there are a lot of really great reprints, and um, I think it's been great that they've been bringing the price of like Nature's Lore down. Uh, Savine's Reclamation is $2. Ooh, there's that reprint. Yep, that I think finally, and I think yeah. we're getting a different art on that. Finally, an old border, oh. an old border, and which is finally a foil. It's going to be in foil the first time this card's ever been printed in foil. Yeah, long time listeners of the gold. podcast will note that Jordan has been on this topic for a long time. It's one of his pet cards. Uh, I, I think maybe even episode one. Like I believe that probably yeah. brought it up in some form or fashion. Yeah. I like to bring it up at least once a week, so that would make sense. Um, it's a great card. You can't get to phenomenal it. Phenomenal card. That is yeah. It's yeah. a fantastic card. High tide, 79 cents. It's it just like, if and these are just looking at Card Kingdom's prices. You can probably find them for cheaper on TCG Player. And then after 
We should actually get an affiliate link. Someone, if you're listening. Send us that link. Send us that affiliate link. Yeah, I'm uh, super hyped for the Force of Will. Force of Will is my all-time favorite card. My dream is to have a sealed collection of every foil Force of Will. Ooh. Would be if, uh, Do you own an Alliances one? Or Homelands? What's that? It's uh, the Alliances. Alliances. Uh, the Trace Nielsen one. I do own the original, yes. Nice. It's not in the best condition, though. I do have the uh, Scott M. Fisher. Mm-hmm. Borderless foil box topper, and that one is freaking awesome. So I want to get that maybe signed and sealed up, or maybe I get it slabbed and then signed. You got to get that judge foil. Oh, yeah, that's that's on the list, too. Judge foil, this guy. But the other things outside of that, sorry for the tangent, um, I think the Urza and the uh, Yawgmoth reprints are super sick. I love oh, those cards. Yes. They're always super expensive. And to boot, they also came out with Borderless Alternate Arts that are sick as hell. There's Urza with like tons of shit in the background and uh, Yawgmoth looks like absolutely menacing. It was such a nice little addition. Uh, I love those cards, like flavor-wise. They were they came out right when I was starting to play and they only keep getting better. I, yeah, I love they're them. They're just incredibly they're powerful. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, the Yawgmoth, I totally forgot about that alternate like borderless variant. Yeah. And that's like, now I got to look at my next paycheck. <laughs> He's like, oh boy. <laughs> All right, that is enough freaking malarkey. We're moving on to our main discussion. We're talking about cube. We've been playing a cube. We've been drafting a ton. We are now building cubes. Both Evan and I have a cube going. Ritter has a spicy, spicy cube going. I'm excited to talk about it. Who played cube first? I played starting this week. That was my first cube. I have played random games on Arena. Okay, the random like, in, cubes in the that past. pop up. Yeah. In the past, yeah. Yeah, I've played cubes that have been built by other people for years. So, like, I, it's been two cubes, only two separate cubes, but it's the same one, like, hit. Just, it was so well-balanced. Uh, cubes go all the way back. You know, it's like the first sets that were released, people bought these cards, and then they loved the draft experience so much that they built their own draft experience, mm-hmm. and that way they were able to replay it and enjoy it over and over again. And that's essentially what a cube is, is you're taking blocks of sets that are released and sort of refining it down to the cards that you want to see the most or, um, and, and, you know, sprinkling in some like newer cards or some older cards and just sort of like really switching it up, creating a, you are, what do you, how do you say it? You are uh, creating an atmosphere in which you're curating an experience. Boom. There it is. Curating an experience. Uh, for other players at the table. So, yeah, these new cubes that we're developing right now each have a little bit of our own flavor that we're sprinkling in. And it's uh, it's pretty cool. Ritter, you were telling me about yours last week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what is the spice of life with that so, one? So, because they were uh, cheap recently with the holidays, I bought a Jumpstart 2020 box. Uh, just to, like open packs. I like opening packs. And I, I did pull like a Tiny Bones Trinket Thief. <clears throat> sorry uh but uh i like the idea of jumpstart i like the idea of shuffling two packs together and you got a deck that's good to go Mm -hmm. and there's some synergies there and stuff like that uh so the cube i'm building is actually kind of like a jumpstart cube it is uh i think 24 different 20 card decks 11 decks based out of uh neon dynasty six decks out of brothers war and the remaining decks out of Dominaria United. Very cool. And uh, so 
like 24 decks where like instead of drafting out of the cube you're meant to grab two decks out of here and all sorts of decks and strategies can pop off uh the dominaria united in fact has a semi-commander element where there are in fact 15 card decks four of the land slots are modular to have duels because i love having optimized mana in decks Mm -hmm. and then one of the cycles is a multicolored legend almost like a commander but it's one of the cards in your deck but they are definitely uh cards hand-picked to make certain strategies pop off if you pick the two right jumpstart decks very cool. I will say that, like, right now Arena is doing a decathlon with Jumpstart, mm-hmm. and I love your idea so much more than what they did. Of course. Like, yeah. Because they, <laughs> Ritter like, is not at all surprised by this. Yeah. <laughs> they pump out crap, you know, at, at, at the crap factory. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that you actually improved mana bases and just like refined strategies instead of buddy you know these base decks are going to have uh shock lands in them thank you gotta god. have a good mana base uh, thank god uh, yes and like jordan and i tried this decathlon thing they're like hosting on arena and we tried the jump start event the jump in the jump in you almost immediately want to jump out after your first game <laughs> the I fact i forfeited nice. i literally resigned the deck that i chose after the first game i was like this I, sucks. I suffered through three games mm-hmm. i was like this really sucks so if as long as it's not that experience no i was I, opening the packs and i was like i was appreciating the synergies there and being like oh this is this is cool i get i get what they're going for here but then being like well because they have to fill out the deck with chaff and a lot of it was m21 stuff because like it was a jumpstart 2020 right, box right, right. um the, a lot of the non-jumpstart mana symbol cards were just like filling out the deck uh at the lower rarity and the synergies were there but they weren't like great synergies that i was excited to play it was more like the germ of that idea and so like let's talk about like neon kamigawa so the basic way i did everything was each set gets a color cycle a single single color right um, so five decks right there from three different sets. And then in Neon Kamigawa, I kind of went off on different uh, multicolor decks. So you have like a red-white Samurais. You have blue-green-white uh, Moonfolk. You have like things of that nature that have, you know, you have a two of in, a, in an occasional in an occasional situation, you might have a three of of a card at like the common or uncommon slot. Just to like make it a good deck still. You know what I mean? Yeah, yep. yeah, it was. Uh, I wanted a little bit of gas to, yeah. to the experience. Yeah, I remember opening that Jumpstart, the original in 2020, and you just open two packs and shuffle them together, and that's kind of the beauty of it. And I, yeah, I getting a pursued whale as your top end was just the more the worst feeling in the world. Yep, so. yeah, there's a lot better cards <laughs> that you could have as a top end. You know? Yeah, no, your your cube is actually like got my brain, my wheels are turning yeah. right now because now I'm just like. Oh man, I didn't even think that Very you could just do twenty card stacks. Of so and strategies. think about this too, like within a set. So let's stick with Neon Kamigawa. Within a set, there's card cycles too. So for in each of the five colors, you can ensure a card from each of the cycles. So each of the channel lands go in each of the monocolor decks. Oh, each of the March of goes in each of the col- each of the invokes go in each of the colors. Yes, dude. And then you choose like a uh, top deck. Uh, you know, not necessarily legendary uh, creature, but like a, you know, a, a high-end creature to top it out. And then you go down from there, like what synergizes with that and, uh, you know, fix the mana base, make sure you can color fix, 
and everything works out and, you know, go from there. Like there's lots of things like, you know, what they're doing with set design. Again, doing great stuff at Wizards of the Coast in terms of set design. And so you can look at Neon Kamigawa and there's like, you can make... 50 different 20 card decks that all make sense conceptually yeah the when we went and did that draft there was uh there was someone we met there and uh i was just like if you're just learning how to play magic and you like what you just experienced here from neon kamigawa just take this deck and then just start putting in like multiple copies of these cards to make an actual deck and you're going to find out that it works incredibly well Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. that yeah to expand on that that's just yeah i I think what I'm really loving playing cube is like it's just like we draft we've been getting early into drafting and limited as a whole and it's just like gassed up it's like you don't have to deal with all basics because you didn't draft any non-basic lands and like you know it's just a little more it's a little more gassed you get you get better cards better synergies you can kind of do some more degenerate shit but you get new experiences still constantly new experiences like i like i've been on this holiday break and i played this cube draft on arena probably 10 15 times and it was super interesting tons of cool things i made tons of different combo lines and different strategies some that i thought were just super far-fetched and ended up make, taking me like five and three and stuff like that so i did okay with those um and I, the concept of just applying that to the jumpstart approach where you're actually just pulling gas and going to have like a good time, that sounds really, really, really interesting. I know Evan's going to love the mono red deck with multiple copies of like Rabbit Battery and you yes. know, things of that nature. Yeah. That is literally my shit. Anytime I see Rabbit Battery, I, I get so excited because it's such a good card. It's undervalued. It is. Yeah. It's really good. It's yeah. still trying to decide if Cloud Steel uh, Kieran makes it into the format because, you know, that might stall some games, but I know that's another pet card that you'll yeah. love to see. Oh, yeah. my God. My, my Marisi uh, Goad modified deck was loving that. Just the target was to funnel until you got the Cloud Steel Kieran and then just punch everybody, and you couldn't lose the game. So when you finally got to the last player, the only person who could win was you. And so, yeah. Sounds fun for one person at the table. It <laughs> really fun. Worst. It was really fun for me. <laughs> The cubes I've played in the past were not necessarily like as curated as I would have hoped. Like it was my first experience in playing that like that format. And it was just a pile of good cards. And we played it so that every land was like five colored. So it is a bit of a flex on the rule. And I think that there is, there is a like, format that does that, right? Where it's just like or I'm thinking of a different game where like you basically like, generate one mana of whatever you need every turn. Or, yeah, yeah. And this was essentially the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you just get like gas and you you realize that Grave Titan just warps the whole cube. You know, it's like if you get Grave Titan, you win the game. And so that's where you have to like, issues. yeah, you have to like balance out the cube and like eventually you take that out and you put something else in and hopefully, you know, can contribute to the vibe that's going on. And like Jordan and I have taken that idea and wanted to like flex the rules a little bit to, I mean, you, you were even in on this for like the brainstorming mm-hmm. section of uh, this cube, but we wanted to like, I love Mutate. And I don't think Mutate gets its time in the light enough. And it was in them. one set, and they haven't returned the mechanic True. at all. It, not even in like a, one of those expansion sets. Not freaking once, yeah. dude. Nope. And they even have five color. There's all the creatures in five colors, right? And then you have all the shards, which represent one of the apexes. Or well, there's five shards that represent the apex. So you can use all those triumphs. You can create this like really cool mutate strategy. But then we were like, we really love neon, like Kamigawa Neon Dynasty too. Exactly. So, and I love modified. And so we made that little rule switch so that mutating is now considered to be modified. 
Yeah, just that one little switch, and I was like, because we were talking for weeks of like, what are we going to do with our cube? What's the direction? And we were kind of talking and came up with that. And then since then, I think we just had such a laser focus on what we want to do, just being able to like make both of these kind of underappreciated, underdeveloped mechanics in a, put in a in a setting, an environment where they are dominant, when they're thriving, when they have all the gas to fuel them up, all the synergies, and you know you have them in, represented in every color. I love the idea of having like gassed up mana bases, like the triomes and shocks. Like, when did modified come about as a evergreen term? That was Kamigawa Neon Dynasty. Really? Okay, yep. so it's recent. So you know, this is something like it's it's a new idea that even Wizards hasn't fleshed out yet. This is crazy that you're uh, doing some groundbreaking work here. This yeah. is almost like poison counters coming back as toxic. Yeah, like where it's just like we thought about it more. This is this is how to make it more fleshed out. They yeah. could errata it to eventually be this, and then just continue on the modified keyword train. That would actually um, be pretty great. Yeah, I would like to see. Or with surveil, where they've you know looked at yeah. these things and been like, oh, actually, we have all these mechanics that work already together. You know. Yeah, and then we just realized that like when we wanted to do that with like mutate, that there is actually some uncards. Like there's one in particular, like one of the the unsanctioned uh, singularly one good card. One, yeah, one great card, uh, Surgeon Commander. Uh, it's a legendary creature, Wombat Bat Chameleon, uh, that says whenever you augment, enchant, or mutate a creature, you control draw a card. So it's something. Yeah. It taps for one of any color. <clears throat> so it's like, wow, this is actually be a great pull. Yeah. You, know, you just tunnel mutate you know it's uh ends up being like a great card draw engine so uh you can plug things in there like that that don't necessarily like overpower the cube and i think it's gonna be a great addition so on that idea to like mutate and to modify what i'm having trouble with the most is figuring out other lines of strategy because i have such a laser focus on that right finding the 550 cards that are going to comprise this cube has been probably the most difficult you don't want to just like give everyone the best pile of toys for the biggest voltron and yeah right exactly <laughs> watch them rock them sock them and- yeah well because if you pass on a mutate creature you know it's not coming back you know mm-hmm. that's like mm-hmm. the deal so uh yeah i also have to have multiple lines of strategy and that was the beautiful thing beautiful thing about arena that jordan was talking about was that you could like funnel you could actually pass on all the best shit in the pack and just pick the card that is going to play the strategy that you want to play like jordan you tunneled flicker so i got i played probably seven drafts and then i was like i'm gonna change it up and i did flicker and i grabbed like an ephemerate the micromancer which grabs a one drop instant or sorcery and because i had a few others too and then i had uh displacer kitten and then I saw it happen, and I was like, I'm just going to keep doing this. It is so much fun. Nobody ever drafted it, so I just got to keep pulling it. It's one of those things, like, if you just pull the key pieces, nobody else has the key pieces now. Yeah, right? and, yeah. It, it, it's, you know, really good syner- synergization between cards is as good as optimization of, like, you know, having uh, cards that aren't necessarily the best in every context, but work super well together right. is as good as having all the best. It's parts. having just a flesh gorgeous yeah. hand sometimes. Yep. Synergization. Is, I is want, that a word? <laughs> it is now. I would love a t-shirt that oh, says man. synergization. I started saying the word and I felt trapped in you the grammar. Sold the it sentence. with so much confidence. Yeah. I'm glad you walked through it. it went through yeah. that. Yeah. It's uh like so it, to expand into it, essentially all you need to do to get into cube is go out like remember all those drafts you loved remember all the times you went out as a player and you 
you open packs with your friends, you pass them around the table, and then you just threw those cards in a pile of chaff when you were all done and went on with your lives. Just go back through those piles, put together some of those favorite cards that you saw, like synergizing with one another, maybe put in a couple copies so you can help refine those strategies. It doesn't need to be one ofs like I think a lot of people have gotten used to with Commander. It can be multiple variants that you can keep seeing the consistent pieces over and over again and just see how it goes yeah maybe yeah, you'll find not redraft it yeah maybe you'll find a, like an old deck that you had from a draft then you really liked like i remember having the jukai naturalist invigorating hot springs draft uh deck at uh pre-release for kamigawa and i want to 100 percent put that in this cube that we're doing yes 100 percent. so yes. like you're just going to cycle back and that might give you the inspiration for like a synergy that you want to see and that you want to allow happen or maybe that you want to like focus and maybe promote a little harder like modified which is exactly what we're doing here invigorating hot springs in this modified cube is going to be crazy it makes every creature that you've mutated have haste yes so that's kind of nutty so good i love it uh but yeah you know like looking back on amonkhet the set i first got involved with i would love because there's been negwa negwa encounters all throughout the history of magic you know like you love negwa encounters i love (laughs) by the way (laughs) yes So, like, imagine... Yog Moth from earlier this episode. Yes, yes. You know, so, like, imagine just building a cube where, like, Hepatra can be, like, the general of the deck, and then you... Oh, shit, someone passed me a Yog Moth right now? You gotta be kidding me! Right. So, yeah, that's, like, the power that you can sort of, like, extrapolate on, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that in the cube on mtg arena they probably avoided putting hepatra in there because yogmoth was <laughs> in it and there was a lot of sacri- like jund sacrifice strategies so yeah that that strat would have been way way better had hepatra been in it i think neg one neg one counters are something that they're looking at in terms of scaling power like i think it's just too strong at the moment for a lot of like well, it upsets a lot of the strategies and they also have for. like keywords like persist and stuff that like or or uh you know what's the plus one plus one version of that oh undying undying yes that already are in place that once you start having more opportunities to generate those counters they unintentionally synergize in ways that yeah it snowballs out of control yep yep so it's it's cool to i don't know just boil a strategy down and really refine it and then just relive those moments over and over again that is essentially the heart of cube. Well, I, I mean, I can connect this back to an earlier topic, which is Mark Rosewater's uh, state of the game saying that, 100%. like, you know, magic is so successful right now, blah, blah, blah. Um, but the game is a different thing than it was for many players that have been playing for many years right now. And a cube is an opportunity to curate your experience a little bit, a little more where, you know, you're, you're creating your own role set. I'm creating my own deck building rules and we are creating a version of the game that feels more right for us. We have all the tools, thankfully, that were provided to us by Wizards of the Coast, as well as, you know, great proxy sites uh, to make this available to us. And we're making our own version of the game. So we're still still able to enjoy it. And, you know, we're able to ignore crap like the 30th anniversary, like uh, proxies, you know? Yeah. yeah, I think like Commander way back when, when it was created, was kind of an opt-out format yep. so you but can now, get out of it but now it has just become that like completely sold out produced sold or, out you know yeah 100 percent. so cube has always been around it's not anything new but i think it's what's really exciting to us is it is giving us that opportunity to opt out mm-hmm. of this rat race there is no way for wizards to print cards just for cube i think right they haven't figured that out <laughs> not for our weird ass <laughs> yeah no uh, way oh that's just curating a draft experience at that point and that's all the master sets are master mm-hmm. sets i would say are probably your greatest 
like that is as close to cube as they're gonna get right plus you you can always update your cube with new cards like that's mm-hmm. never gonna change like i was just looking at a legacy uh cube and they had a uh, steel serif in it so brand new but yeah you know you're getting all the old school cards you don't have to wait for sheldon and the committee to ban a card that is unfun when you like face yep. it and you don't have to have uncomfortable rule zero discussions or anything that like is bad to you about the experience of playing magic it's good vibes only it is like truly just a wholesome enjoyable magic play experience yeah you're bringing the eight players you want to be there to the table to like really enjoy this cube you can bring new people in sure it's just like you rule zero that in you just say hey this is the cube we're playing today it's kind of cool like you can hyper focus modified or mutate or whatever you want to do or you know i i have a niece and nephew right now or whatever like if when they're old enough, if they want to play the game, like having like a jumpstart cube is going to be great. Like yeah. here's some stuff ready to go for you. Let's have some fun. Just pick up and play. Like yeah. that is like what's most exciting. And like, and it's something that's very, very hard to do in commander is to pick up and play. Like either you go to a local shop and you just don't find anybody. You don't find anybody you like, you don't find anybody that plays the same power level as you. Cause that's another concern. Mm-hmm. Like it, this is just, there is no option. You just what, show up would you say it. from day one, how long did it take us to, or let's say you guys, because I'm I'm the new joiner here, to curate the pod that we have right now, right now for we Commander. actually did pretty well, I would say, but I think it took us probably eight months to get from two of us to eight of us, and that's what we've been playing for years. Yeah, and we, we you dipped into connections you had in the community already, brought people that you already knew. Into used to the play pod. back in the day. Yeah, yeah. So, so we, but I'm saying like start to finish from like you guys playing like five years yeah, right? yeah to yeah. get where yeah five years to get like a full great pod of like people we know yeah yeah unless you can convince just like a mass of people to start like get started up into this thing it takes a lot of convincing at times and to get everyone on the same schedule is not easy and Commander's we're finding more that, expensive yeah. than ever too yeah same schedule same yeah exactly like the same amount of everyone spending money the same power level the same like Everyone having the same amount of fun. Imagine the cube you know? being more like, I have a board game. Do you want to come play a board exactly. game? With you? I will exactly. teach you how to play this. Hey. I mean, it's similar to the game night product almost. Correct. But like a more product randomized. you have to buy. <laughs> but it but it also like dissimilar to the game night product, it's more randomized. So for players that appreciate the complexity of the game that have played longer, it's they can still appreciate the experience. Yeah, it'll grow with you for the ceiling is endless. You can just change it and add adapt and make it as more as complex as you want. Um, like even on arena, they're now starting to add historic and alchemy cards to it. And that's getting crazy, crazy. There've been a couple of times where I can't quite put words to the thought today, like being our vacation, being a sweat box of magic. Uh, <laughs> and that was it right there that the cube is a board game. It's a board like, game. It's mm-hmm. a board game that yep. is now like, let's it, hang out. Let's freaking play some magic. Yeah. Just sit. Let's, let's just play some magic. Yeah, I mean, Commander can sometimes feel like, hey, guys, let's hang out and play some Magic. But first, I need you to spend $2,000 of your own money and uh, yeah. build a deck. That's the hardest yeah. thing. Like, we, when we were trying to, like, curate this pod and get everyone together at the same, like, power level and to get them on the same page, it was like, no, you can just borrow my deck. And then they're super uncomfortable with it because it's like, yeah, it might be like a thirteen, fourteen hundred dollar deck. And it's not that. like you're super comfortable handing that out either. Right, right. You know, it's like people you trust that you give it to, but it's one of those things where yeah, it's just getting harder than ever to get people interested in playing Commander. That's why and, we've been screaming about proxies like forever. It's just like it is the easiest way to get people in over that price tag hump. Yep. And we just saw what the play to win had a great episode where they played Precons at the table and most notably their episodes go 
probably about 20 to 30 minutes like on the long end yeah and then this one was over an hour and 10 minutes long <laughs> it's just like sometimes man these games these are people who know exactly what they're doing what their plays are going to be they've thought about it as it gone they were the trying table. to find that win con the whole time yeah right they're yeah hyper refined their strategies you know as much as they could with a pre-con and Imagine going to a table and you're like, I want entry level magic. And I think that's exactly what we got with the jump in on Arena was, hey, this is entry level jump start. And it was miserable. And, you know, it wasn't Which is so interesting because it was technically a competitive setting. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, like you have to play freaking goldfish before you can get to the next yeah. game. Yeah. It's like imagine a competitive commander tournament where only people can only bring precons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. yeah, I mean, entry level doesn't mean diluted. You can still have complexity. You can still have synergies. You can still have like lines of play and things going on. Um, but it just has to be something where like a person can look at a limited number of those things and keep all those things in their brain instead of looking at a 100 card commander deck and being like, here are 20 lines of play that I need to know about as well as every other deck in the meta and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, right. it's, it's crazy that with some of the precons, they've actually hit it right on the head. Some of the precons come out the box and they slap. One, like uh, Prosper, right off the top of my head, is like one of the best precons they ever made. And it just does its thing like it just revolves around prosper and it just feels like they're very hit or miss on those but with the cube you actually just like saying no this all this all hits the nail on the head yeah here. it's all gonna work the hurdle don't is worry. learning how to draft yeah. properly yep. but that's yeah. so cool is like even if as a new person you're teaching them full skills of magic how to build an actual deck from the ground up something that's very confusing and complicated coming in from the opposite direction of trying to figure out how to build a deck in commander mm -hmm. where it's a hundred random freaking cards and like you have the entire world at your disposal yeah and super important for people learning new skills it gives them a soft landing if they fail at drafting or building a deck like they're still they're, they're still they didn't spend any money they're still going to be able to do fun things with the cards mm -hmm. that they have even if they lose tell them to go monocolor yeah draft every model yeah. red card you see in you're going to have a good time. Yeah, just it keep is, them from getting discouraged from the game on that first experience. Right. You know? It is such a temporary, like deck like the the deck you're going to build in cube you just break it back down everything that we're going to be drafting is already going to be sleeved up and every everyone's going to have the same color sleeves and so all you got to do is break it back down draft it again you got your second shot mm -hmm. you can do it twice in a single day if you if you want like usually on our monday nights we probably don't have time for that we've learned that <laughs> in drafting but it's one of those things where yeah super low fear of failure it just there is but a high very high chance that you succeed if the cube is done properly. Yeah, I uh, I think that was very well said. Yeah, that was great. That might be a great note to end on. Like we ended, we started on a kind of a sour note talking about certain subjects, and now we're talking about how we still found a way to love this game. Here's an issue. Here's our wonderful solution to it. Oh man, we're I good feel at this. Really good. I feel really good after talking about magic. Oh yeah, this is our therapy. We session. should go. We should go play some magic now and feel even better. Let's do it. It's magic night. This has been the Mock Stars podcast. Appreciate everybody listening. Like and subscribe. Links for all the socials down below. Yeah, stay tuned for more. We're going to be doing live streaming on Twitch at twitch.tv slash mockstarsmtg. Find us there and uh, watch us jam some arena. Go play some cube. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye-bye.